I just so look forward to Sundays and Wednesdays to be able to share the Word of God with you. And especially this morning, I believe that God has a special word of encouragement for you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where we're going to start out this morning. And then we're going to jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to bridge the gap between 1 and 2 Corinthians and continue our series. In fact, today is sort of a a marker day in our uh, study of the Holy Spirit. We are literally halfway through our study of the Holy Spirit today. So uh, we've got just about three more months to go. No, no biggie. No biggie. So here's the main message today for all of us. God has you. Now let's pray and go home. Because that, that's really it. Everything that we're going to look at today is simply going to tell us why God has us and how we can know that God has us. No matter what circumstance, situation, trial, tribulation, season of suffering, affliction, oppression, obstacle, challenge, anything that you are dealing with or going through right now, if you are a child of God, if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, God wants you to know He's got you. He's got you. You see, there's no need for a Christian to ever be unsettled, to ever be unstable, to ever have feelings of insecurity. There's no reason for it. There's no need for it if we believe what God has said. And God wanted to say to the Corinthians, I've got you. Because Paul saw a group of Christians in Corinth that were manifesting unsettledness and insecurity and and instability. And Paul saying, there's no need for it. And let me tell you why there's no need for it. First of all, let's go back to a couple verses we looked at last week. I want to begin in verse 1 Corinthians 12, first of all, in verse 27, where Paul says, now you are Christ's body. Let that sink in for a moment. As a Christian, we are now part of Christ's body. And each of you is a member of it, a part belonging to the whole. Then go back to 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For just as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so too is Christ. Then verse 20, so now there are many members, but one body. The one thing that Paul wants us to hear today, the one thing God wants us to hear today, is this, from these three verses. First of all, when we became a Christian, we were united, we were connected, we were joined to Jesus Christ through the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. And that alone should remind us, God's got us. Why? Because when we trusted in Christ, we were then permanently connected to Christ. As he said, we are Christ's body. 
We're not just his bride, Ephesians 5. We are his body. Why does he use the figure of a body? Because not only were we connected to Christ when we became a Christian, but we were also united to every other person united to Christ when we became a Christian. Again, one body, but many members. And when you and I were fused together to Jesus Christ, we were also fused together to one another. At least that's how we should look at it. And why that should remind us that God has us is not only because, again, we're connected to Jesus Christ no matter what. He's there for us. He's there with us. He's behind us. He's beneath us. He's over us. He's inside of us. You're all wrapped up in God when you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But we're also fused to one another. And God wants us to understand that as his body, not just as his bride, not just as the object of his love, but as his body, you and I can be his instruments in his hands to minister to one another, to encourage, to strengthen, to comfort, to do all these things, to bring words of encouragement, to do deeds of service and all of this, so that many times, in fact, most of the time, how God displays that he's got us is because he will make sure that there's certain people in our life and, and, and we can be his ears, his eyes, his mouth, his hands, and his feet because we're all connected to each other. We, are, we have this supernatural bond with each other through the powerful working of the Holy Spirit, all immersed, all baptized into one body through His Spirit. And therefore, we're not only permanently connected to Christ, we are permanently connected to one another. And so throughout our earthly life, we never have to feel insecure, unstable, or unsettled because not only does God got us because we're connected to Jesus permanently, but we're also connected to one another. And therefore, God's going to say, you don't have to be going through this alone. You don't have to feel isolated or by yourself because I've got my body. I've got the church surrounding you. And they can be ministering to you too. That's why later on, notice what Paul says to the Corinthians in verse 26 of verse uh, chapter 12. If one member suffers, everyone's to be suffering with that member. If one member is honored, all are to rejoice. In other words, we're to be joining in and doing this because we are all part of Christ's body. So again, let me say, when you and I became a Christian, we were not only united to Jesus Christ through the powerful working of His Holy Spirit, we were also united to every other person united to Christ. And that's how Paul starts out by saying, God's got you. God's got you. And, and think of it in terms of not just me connected to God, which is awesome and amazing and astonishing and astounding, but the fact that, again, God will have his people, just the right person or persons surrounding you or in your life that you need at just the right time because we are his body, and he will take care of us. 
And many times, if not most of the time, he will choose one of us to be that part of his body that ministers to the other part because we're all connected to each other. Now, if that was not enough, go with me to 2 Corinthians. To 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to begin in verse 18, and then I want to go go back and sort of get a running start into verse 18, because that's not really the beginning of Paul's thought process, but I want it to be where we start out in 2 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians 1, 18, Paul says, But as God is faithful... Our message to you is not yes and no. Why why does Paul say that? Well, Paul was being criticized at this point. Why was he being criticized? Because he had shared with the Corinthians. And by the way, Paul wrote multiple letters to the Corinthians. We have two of them in the Word of God, in the Bible. But there were others that did not get into the Bible. And rightfully so. God chose exactly the books that he wanted in his word. But Paul was always having correspondence with these churches. And in one correspondence, he says, I plan on coming and visiting you. Then Paul says to them, I'm not coming. And their immediate response was, ah, Paul, he's fickle. He's just like the rest of the world. Can't trust Paul, can't depend on Paul, can't rely on Paul. One time he says he's coming, and now he says he's not. Paul says, whoa, 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 whoa. He says, first of all, the reason I changed my plans was because of your actions. You did something, and we're not going to go into that. You can read the book of 2 Corinthians for yourself, He said, you did something as a church and as a group of people that has caused me to rethink the wisdom of visiting you now. I will eventually come, but now's not the right time. So, Paul also wants to say, and don't start saying, well, Paul's fickle, and therefore the message that that Paul brought about God can't be trusted, can't be relied upon or depended upon, says, no, 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 no. Paul's defending, if you will, his ministry and his apostleship here to the Corinthian church because there were some in the Corinthian church that was trying to undermine the apostle Paul's influence and ministry in that church by calling into question his motivation and all of that. That's why then Paul comes to verse 18 and says, God is faithful. God can be relied upon and depended upon. He is trustworthy always. And even if you do come to the conclusion that other things and other people can't be trusted or relied on, and that's true. No human being, I don't care how faithful and dependable and reliable they are, no human being will always be able to be depended on 100% of the time. But Paul says, please don't, don't bring that judgment that we have about worldly things and the people of this world and, and our human flesh over to then bring that same judgment about God. Because God is in a whole different world. 
And God can always be relied upon. He can always be depended upon. His word is always trustworthy. That's why we can be assured God has got us. He's got you. Because he's faithful. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You never have to worry about somehow God changing how he feels about you. Or even as Paul said to the Philippians, because of God's faithfulness, Paul could say to them in Philippians 1, 6, I am confident of this very thing, that he, the spirit who began a good work in you, will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is faithful. That's why he goes on to say, therefore, our message to you about this God was not yes and no. There was no inconsistencies. There was no lack of continuity. In fact, he says in verse 19, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the one who is proclaimed among you by us, by me, by Sylvanus, by Timothy. In other words, by a multiplicity of ministers, by by a number of people, not just me, is always not yes and no, but it has always been yes in him. And the word yes can mean sure and certain. See what Paul's doing here? He's building up the fact that God is faithful. God has them. That everything that's ever been said in Jesus Christ, about Jesus Christ, is yes. It is sure. It is certain. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we looked at this a couple weeks ago. Paul said, there is no other suitable or stable foundation other than the one that's already been laid. And that is Jesus Christ himself. Everything else will be unstable. But the foundation of Jesus Christ in our lives is always suitable and stable. So notice he goes on in verse 20 to say, Every one of God's promises are yes in Jesus. The whole Old Testament, all the Messianic prophecies, everything God ever predicted that he would do for man, that he could do for man, all of those, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, all of our needs, everything God is saying can be found in yes in Jesus Christ. He's the answer. Everything, every solution, it can be found in Jesus. And all of God's promises were fulfilled and completed in Jesus, in in who he was, in in how he lived, and what he did. Which is why when Jesus was on the cross, one of the very last things he said was, it is finished. Why could Jesus say it is finished? Because he had completed, he had fulfilled everything he needed to do in order to accomplish the will of God for the salvation of men. It's done. Nothing more needs to be added to it. It's a great Greek word. It's only used twice in the entire New Testament. Telestai. To telestai. It, it means... Done, sufficient, complete, paid in full, whatever. Which can I say that those very words of Jesus then contradict 
religious movements and religions like Roman Catholicism, like Jehovah's Witness, like Mormonism, like others who in some way in their teachings say, well, what Jesus did was actually not totally complete and, and done and full. It, it has to be added to in some way. Islam? And any religion that comes along basically and says, the whole foundation of what we believe and what we teach is that Jesus Christ could have been a good person, a good teacher, a good prophet, all of these things, but what he did was not sufficient. That's why we have come along to add to it. But that's not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is the whole reason why God has us is because everything Jesus did, everything he accomplished on earth was done to the complete detail. As, as he was, I didn't come to abolish the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. And in Jesus Christ, the law was perfectly fulfilled. Every part of it. It is finished, Jesus says. Let me also say this. Another reason why... Yes, is always found in Jesus because everything that God the Father asked Jesus to do for us and our benefit, Jesus never said no to. Jesus, are you willing to assume a human body and go to earth? Yes. You willing to be born of a woman? Yes. Are you willing, Lord, to be rejected, be humiliated? Yes. You willing to be scourged? Yes. You willing to be denied and betrayed? Yes. You willing to die on a cross? Yes. Yes was always found in Jesus. He is the eternal Son of God. He is also the eternal yes of God, if you will. Anything and everything that was for our benefit, for our profit, for our good, Jesus always said yes to, no matter what the sacrifice. That's why we can know God's got us. That's why Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians then 1, verse 20, Therefore also through him the amen is spoken to the glory we give to God. The word amen means what is sure, again, what is true, what is firm, what I can count on. That's why we say amen, because when, when, when someone says something that we believe is true and firm and faithful, we say amen. Can, I, can we offer an amen this morning to God? That's why Paul goes on to say, oh, and not only that, but we should offer corporate acknowledgement of the faithfulness of God by the glory that we give to him. And the word glory simply means praise the Lord. Can we offer a praise the Lord to the Lord today? Praise the Lord for his faithfulness because he's got us. He's got us as a church and he's got you as an individual. 
Because we've been permanently connected to Christ. We are Christ's body. And we've also been permanently connected to every other person connected to Christ. And because God is faithful, he can be relied upon and trusted at all times. But then there's four things that I want to leave with you today in verses 21 and 22 that again prove or show the faithfulness of God and the fact that God has us. The first one is this, verse 21, but it is God who establishes us together with you. We're going to talk about what that means. Then he goes on to say, also, God anointed us. Then God sealed us. And then God gave us the spirit in our hearts as a down payment. Now, first, without getting too greeky or geeky here, the first word establishes is an ongoing thing. It's in the present tense. It means that God continually is seeking and going to establish us as his people. We'll talk about what that means. But the other three are all past, once and for all, done. So again, hear me. God is saying, I will continue to establish you over and over again. And I have once and for all anointed each of you. I have once and for all sealed each of you. And I have once and for all given you my spirit as a down payment. And all those things put together, Paul is building up his argument of why the Corinthians as a church can know the faithfulness of God and know that God has them so that they don't have to keep living these insecure, unstable, unsettled lives because they truly have come to know and believe and grasp and trust and place their confidence in this God and what he's revealed. So let's take the first one. God establishes us. It means that God continually wants to place us on solid ground. You get that? Throughout our life, God is always going to seek to place us on solid, firm ground. So that we can be secure and stable. So that we can know what's underneath of us will hold up and hold us and carry us through whatever we go through in life. He wants you to have that kind of trust in what you're standing on, if you will. And he will always, again, bring things into our life that will place us on solid ground. This is a message found throughout the Bible. Listen to some of these verses today. From the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 33, Moses wrote, The everlasting God is a refuge, and underneath us are his eternal arms. Wow! I never have to worry about, you know, resting in God and, and, and trust, because God's eternal arms are underneath his people. Then Psalm 46, one of my favorite psalms, and we'll come back to it later in the message. David writes, 
God is a strong refuge. He is truly our helper in times of trouble. For this reason, we will not fear when the earth shakes and the mountains tumble into the depths of the sea. When its waves crash and foam and the mountains shake at the surging of the sea. Wow. I wouldn't fear if that started to happen. David says, no, there's no reason. You know why? Because God's got you. God's got you. And if anybody knew firsthand that God has them, it's David. Yes, he was anointed at a very young age, that shepherd boy, the youngest of Jesse's sons. But my goodness, he spent years running for his life from men like Saul. And yet he knew, God has me. God has me. How about Jesus himself? Jesus said, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them is like a wise person that builds their house upon rock. He said, now, the rains will fall and the floods will come and the winds will beat against that house. So Jesus isn't saying that when you trust in me and you place your your house upon a rock, that there will be no storms in your life. Jesus doesn't say that. Never, never promises us that. But what he does say is that when the winds begin to beat against that house, it will not collapse because it was founded upon rock. Because I've got you. And if you follow me and listen to me, you never have to have feelings of insecurity, instability, or unsettledness. I've got you. Underneath you are my eternal arms. I am the everlasting God. I will not let go of you. I will not let you fall. Read Psalm 121. So over and over and over again, God is saying to his people, you put your life on me, And it's more solid than this stage today. It's more solid than that ground. It's more solid than those seats that we're sitting in. And you came in this morning and you rested all your weight on that seat. You trusted that that seat was going to bear you up and hold you up. That's why you put yourself and all your weight into that seat. And God is saying, I'm more reliable and dependable than that seat. You can rest all your weight on me. I've got you. Because I am always seeking to establish you and making sure that you know that in me, you are always on firm, solid ground. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. In a world that is shaking, in a world that is very shaky, and insecure, and unstable, and unsettled, and it always will be, and it's only going to get worse, my friends. 
Jesus said there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be all these things that people say and do and everything. And if you listen to them and you place your security and stability and all of that in worldly things and all that, you'll be a mess. But if you place your life upon the rock, then you'll always be secure, stable, and settled because you built your house on rock. Solomon writes in the book of Proverbs, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and those who run into it are set safely on high. God's got you. And he starts by continually establishing us. But notice, he does it together. Did you notice that in 2 Corinthians 1.21? He doesn't do it by ourselves. He brings us together so that we can use the gifts, talents, abilities. We talked about that last week. Why he places us in the body and brings us together so that we can mutually establish each other and so that he can use each of us to establish each other and strengthen each other and keep ourselves on that solid ground which is him him but he doesn't stop there paul says he also once and for all anointed us now when you and i think of anointing we usually think of something old testament It's what God did to prophets, priests, and kings. He anointed them. But my friends, today, God wants us to be his prophets, his priests, and his kings. That's why he says through Peter, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, that you should proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, 1 Peter 2.9. What's it mean to be anointed by God? It means to be authorized and equipped to be his representative. When God anointed someone in the Old Testament, God said, first of all, I am authorizing you. You go in my authority because you're representing me. That's why Paul would say, we are his ambassadors We represent Christ everywhere we go, and we go in his authority. Jesus said in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, go into all the world. All authority is given to me. Now go in my authority. I authorize you. You are my church. You are my body. Go. You have my authorization. But also, amazingly, the word anoint also means to equip or even to prepare. So God is saying, look, I won't send you somewhere. I won't call you to something. I won't send you on a mission to something or somewhere without making sure that you have been prepared for it and equipped for it. And the great thing about God and and us living with God and knowing God is that we can look back over our lives and actually realize the longer we live that our whole life has been preparation. Our whole life has been training. Our whole life has been equipping to get us to this point and then even further on. And that's what it means to be anointed by God. Whatever God calls you to and me, whatever he's going to ask of us as a church to be and to do, God will make sure that he prepares us for it and equips us for it, which is what he's doing right now through this series on the Holy Spirit. 
Because I believe that he's preparing us already for what's going to happen once we move from this place to that place. God's always ten steps ahead of us. Well, he's more than that, but... And that's another reason why Paul is saying to the Corinthians, God's got you. Because you and I never have to worry about God calling us out to something and not feeling ready or prepared for it. Now, again, we may feel inadequate, but in Christ we can always find our adequacy, our capacity, our capability. Let's tie these two together. You may feel like right now God's even asking you or calling you to go out on something that's really unstable, unsure. I'm sure that's the way Peter felt when Jesus said, come on out on the water, Peter. Water? God, water won't hold up my weight. Water won't hold me up. Water's not firm. But if God is calling us to do it, that water that Peter walked on was as firm as anything on earth. Because God made it firm. Because God said, that's what I want you to do. So even water can be solid when God wants it to be. It didn't mean that the waves weren't there and that the winds weren't there. And as long as Peter kept his eyes on the Lord, he was walking on water. Because God wants to show us that even those times where I'd be like, whoa, God, I don't know about this. God wants to remind us, I've got you. You can trust me even to walk on water if you believe in what I'm calling you and telling you to do. Because I've got you, Peter. I've got you. Established us. Anointed us. Then Paul says, Oh, God also once and for all sealed us. The word sealed means a claim of ownership, a belonging to someone. Seals, again, were used, especially in ancient times, to just mark that something is mine. And they would use usually a wax with some kind of, of, of symbol that they had, uh, had made on an instrument, and the wax would be heated up, and the instrument then would be placed into that wax, and that seal would be on there. And it simply was signifying, that's mine. I own that. And God is saying, do you realize I did that with each of you who've trusted in my son as your savior? I have sealed you. I have marked you with my Holy Spirit. That's the seal. That's the mark. The living Holy Spirit living within us. And God says, you're mine. I will provide. I will protect. I've got you because you're mine. Wow. In fact, keep your finger there. You, you guys got to see this for yourself. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I don't have time to develop it all this morning. But I just want you to, to read these couple of of words at the end of chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, and I'm even going to go to the end of verse 22. Notice these four words. Everything belongs to you, Paul says to the Corinthians. What? 
Yeah, and then he goes on to say, oh, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God the Father. We belong. Again, how sad is it that Christians even sometimes feel like, I don't belong. You don't belong. You've been connected to Jesus Christ, and then you've been connected to every other person that's ever been connected to Jesus Christ. What do you mean you don't belong? You belong to Christ. And because you belong to Christ, everything now belongs to you. In other words, in God's scheme of things, in God's universe, all the resources of God are now available to his people. Why? Because we're in Christ. We belong to him. And he belongs to God the Father. And God's Holy Spirit lives within us. We're like this wrapped up God sandwich. God just wrapped us all up. Again, there's there's nothing... He's behind us. He's beneath us. He's over us. He's in us. There's nowhere we can go where God is not there and where the resources of God are not with us. So again, Paul says, God sealed you once and for all. You're his possession. You, you belong to him. And he, he says, That's my, you're mine. That's why... When God appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul probably first thought, whoever you are, I'm not persecuting you. I just persecuted this family or this Christian or whatever. And Jesus is reminding Saul very early on. No, 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 you don't understand. If you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. You touch one of my children... You touch, you touch one of mine, then you did it to me. Because they belong to me. And God wants you to know that when you leave your house tomorrow, you belong to him. And he's going to watch over you because he's got you. One final thing. Paul also said, God once and for all gave us his spirit as a down payment. A monetary term, term of deposit, a guarantee. The words literally mean sufficient proof of more to come. It's like for us. Sometimes all it takes is us putting down a deposit on something. We actually get it. We haven't paid it all off yet, but it's ours because we put down a deposit. God is saying similarly in the spiritual world, I gave you my spirit inside of you as proof, sufficient proof. Because he's going to be with you until you see Jesus in you. Sufficient proof. There's more to come. This isn't, this isn't the end. There's more to come. And the God who gave us his spirit that continually reminds us there's more to come then, obviously is going to have us. (laughs) Again, reminding us of what Paul said to the Philippians. I am confident of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God has us. He's had us as a church since day one. And the reason we are at the place we are at as a church is because God has us. 
And God wants to remind all of us individually today, I've got you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't. God does. I don't know what situation, trial, tribulation, obstacle, opposition, challenge, affliction, season of suffering. I don't know what it is, but I know this. God is faithful. And God wants us to know that He is faithful. And He wants His children to know that He's got us. So that instead of living insecure, unstable, unsettled lives, we can build our house upon a rock. And even when the rains fall and the floods come and the winds beat against our house... It will not collapse. It will stand because we have founded our house on rock. Are you on the rock today? Let's stand and close in prayer. Father God, I pray today for all of us who at times in our life Primarily because of circumstances and situations, we find ourselves feeling very insecure, very unstable, very unsettled. We may even feel that way just by existing in the world in which we do today, where so much is unsettled and unstable and insecure. But God, I hope that through your spirit and through your word today, you have clearly revealed once again that you are faithful. And that you have your people always. That you can be trusted. You can be relied upon. You can be depended upon. Because you've got us. So Lord, use this message. Use this time of worship of you. To solidify us in you today. And know God that we are solid. We're on solid ground with you. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we sing this song, I specifically made this request of this song today for this reason. Again, going back to Psalm 46. Later on in that psalm, after we are told that God is our strong refuge, a true helper in times of trouble, the psalmist David writes this. He says, Be still from God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted over the nations. I will be exalted over the earth. God is saying, you don't need to feel unsettled, unstable, and insecure. Trust me. Know that I am faithful. Be still. You know, when we're nervous and stuff and we're anxious, we're, we're, we, can't, we can't stand, we're constantly moving around. It's only when we're resting in God and we're settled that we can just remain somewhere and be at peace. And that's what God wants to say to his people today. Exalt me and know that I am God and that I've got you. Stop your striving and be still. So let's exalt the Lord today and be still before Him. If you have a need, if the Spirit is leading you to come, you come. The altar here is always open.
And maybe even God is calling you out to something that you feel is like a water, like Peter was called out to. And you're going, God, I, I'm feeling very unsure about this. Know this, that even with God, water is solid. It's solid. So you follow the Lord, knowing that whatever he's calling you out to, he's got you.